Definitely one of the most upbeat people I've ever talked to for 52 Weeks of Hope, Eric the Trainer, the best trainer in the world. If you watch the video of this, he's on fire, happy, standing with one leg propped and smiling the whole time you listen to this. His attitude of what can I do for you today? I've kept on my desk since we've talked. I've known you're going to love this episode. So chock full of amazing tidbits for every aspect of your life. So I've been beyond shocked to learn of his passing and listening to this again. It's fabulous. So this is dedicated to Eric and all who loved him, as I'm sure you will, too. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and change agents who give us their messages of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. And today we're talking to entrepreneur and fitness guru, Eric Fleischman, better known as Eric the Trainer. Do you know what's the most important to your health between exercise, sleep, and diet? Do you ever feel like a slug and wish you didn't? Listen as fitness expert to the stars helps you level up all areas of your life. Eric's here helping you quit listening to the negative voices in your head and help you accomplish what you really want to do and empower you to live the life you really want to. He wasn't always this buff super dude. Eric's overcome plenty in his life just like you. This is why he has such a knack for helping others everywhere and has amazing stories of synchronicity you're going to love. The best physical trainer on the planet. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Eric. Thank you so much. I am so thrilled to be here. We're going to have a great time. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I loved hearing that you didn't fully develop and sprout up until your sophomore year of college. Yes, and yes. Unfortunately, yeah. listen, that's not a good thing. In no, my no, no, family, I, for some reason, biologically, we are late bloomers. That's a very polite way of saying we don't reach puberty until all of your friends are fully bearded and tall. So I was one of the shortest kids in my graduating class in high school. And when I went to college, I did not need a razor to shave my face because there was no shaving to be done. So I know what it's like to feel physically diminished, which is ironic because now I actually help men and women look their best and feel their best from a physical standpoint but I've got great camaraderie with those that feel disenfranchised or like underdogs. Yeah. Okay. All right. I didn't quite get that you didn't reach puberty when I saw your nickname was Squeaky growing up in Maine. And I know you were bullied, although they didn't call it bully. Bullying as much, they call it, you know, just you're beat up. <laughs> I mean, you know, like... <laughs> well, I was more, I was more picked on, you yeah. know, when you're, when you're in a rural environment, I, I grew up in a small place called Farmington, Maine, which Maine kind of looks like a hand. And the beautiful regions, the coastal regions are gorgeous. I grew up here in the center. So <laughs> there was a lot of woods and some moose and occasional occasional maple tree that you could tap to make maple syrup. But when you're in a rural environment and you're a small guy, it's not the greatest recipe for success. And my parents were not famous or rich. And so at a certain point growing up in Maine, I thought to myself, man, how am I going to get out of here? How am I going to make my way in the world? And that was a huge obstacle to overcome. And so I really feel so lucky. I wake up with an attitude of gratitude every day here in Los Angeles, realizing that I can live in a place with palm trees and a beautiful sunshine and, and all these opportunities that just come through the Hollywood world. Yeah, definitely an attitude of gratitude. I do gratitude lists every day. So I, I love that attitude of gratitude. People are always like, I don't feel grateful. I don't want to do a gratitude list. I'm like, that's not the point. By the time you get to the bottom of the gratitude list, you're like, I have so much to be grateful for. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I mean, people don't realize how lucky we are living in America, having a great place to live, having delicious food to eat, being able to go to a store and just purchase whatever you want to, being able to get a job. There are so many things we take for granted that in other countries, it's not like that. I've traveled all over the world. I've been places that have oppressed governments where the citizens are not allowed to even express themselves at a concert. Here's a great story. I was in Shanghai training trainers in our Hollywood methods, and I got a call from the guys in air supply. They said, we're in Shanghai. I said, I'm in Shanghai. <laughs> We met up, and it turns out that in China, they have hosts of concerts. So they asked me to host the air supply concert. You know, I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. you know, all those great hits that you and I love so much. You probably made out with your high school boyfriend to that song. Yeah, anyway, right? so, so I hosted the show and I sat down in the front row and the band starts playing. And after every song, when someone stood up to clap, there were guards, like police oh, guards wow. that would sit them down. So it's not the same at all as going to SoFi Stadium and seeing Def Leppard and jumping up and down and expressing yourself. And people think that's great. In other countries, you actually are not allowed to express yourself, even enjoy at a concert. That's interesting. I went to a baseball game in Canada and everybody stood in line to get autographs. I was like, what are they doing? Like, it was just so formal. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is different. <laughs> so yeah, every Those every Canadians place, are very yeah. polite also. Yes, can you believe very how polite, polite they are? I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, I love Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can you not? Yeah, exactly. That's so interesting. And and it's so true. I have a friend that when she moved here, her mother and aunt were in a grocery store and just stood in the middle of it and started crying at just, there were so many fruits and produce and just so much food. Yeah, there is a lot to be grateful for. I know that you've been doing some nonprofit and feeding the homeless. So, but is that, is being called, I read that your nickname growing up was Squeaky. Is that what motivated you? How did you get into physical fitness? Was that um, after college? Was that what motivated you or? I'll give you an exclusive. This is only going to happen on this podcast. I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay. The way I got into fitness was when I started to physically grow. And this was into my 20s. Suddenly, I had this lanky physique that needed a little muscle. And so I went to the gym to try to fill myself out. And I noticed something interesting. I noticed a direct correlation between the time I spent in the gym and how many girls talked to me. Yeah. And I thought, this is the greatest exchange in the entire world. I go in the gym and I work out and I eat a few cheeseburgers. And I wake up the next day and I feel a little bit stronger and cute girls say, hi, I love it. And I've never stopped going to the gym since then. Yeah. The correlation is, yeah, that would be a motivator. It's pretty um, cool. I mean, the gym, in my, in my opinion, is one of the last magical places in society. It's where someone can come in who's feeling diminished, like an underdog, disenfranchised, either upset because they feel like they're too small or upset because they feel like they're too big. And they can go through a physical transformation using the science of change which is exercise, diet, and sleep. Sleep being the most important because sleep is when all physical transformation occurs. And through that transformation, they can emerge a hero. They can go from normal to extraordinary right there in the gym. I love the gym so much. Yeah, I can tell. So, okay, how much sleep is somebody supposed to get an adult? Because kids don't really listen to this podcast. So I would say between six and a half and eight hours per night average is the best. Okay, so it is what we were taught. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There was somebody in the Huffington Post that said, we don't get enough sleep. And I think it was Arianna Huffington. She did a whole thing about people don't get enough sleep. And I don't know. And I started watching my sleep like, okay, five, six hours and all that, like grinding it and all. Yeah, it doesn't work. Well, that's the irony. You know, so many people want to get up early and work out before work. 
and yet they stay up very, very late at night. And so the, the amount of time that they're asleep actually starts to diminish. Mm-hmm. And that's when all physical transformation occurs. Think of it this way. If I trained you and I'm a great trainer and we had Wolfgang Puck himself make the correct diet for you, you would not change unless you slept. Sleep is when all physical transformation occurs. So instead of sleeping less and working harder, go to sleep and stay in bed for a while. You'll wake up and you'll see the difference. You don't need a protein shake. You need a pillow. Yeah, that's very good. Okay. And how about plant-based diets? Are you a big no, advocate for that? Diets, plant-based diets are an option. I wouldn't say it's the most incredible option if you're looking to gain lean muscle mass because the amino, the amino acids found in plant-based diets are not the same as the amino acids found in an animal protein-based diet. But there are plenty of people that I've worked with, including Phil Collin from Def Leppard, who follow, a, he's a vegan. He's been a vegan for years and years. We got him into incredible shape. It really is a lifestyle. It's eating the right foods, it's sleeping at night, and it's exercising on a consistent basis. The consistency of exercise is everything. Okay. And I read that avocado, I think is your favorite food or your, it's actually my favorite food is Uh an egg. I am a big egg guy. I should have married a chicken because I actually find them quite attractive. Why do you think they call them hot chicks? I mean, I'm a huge, Uh huge egg fan, hard boiled eggs, soft boiled eggs, scrambled eggs. I'm an egg guy, but I also do love avocado. Avocado is delicious. Okay. And then I saw that you did 40,000 pushups for your 40th birthday. I did. I did 40,000 pushups to help raise money for charity. But right now I am involved with a 50,000 pushup challenge to raise $5 million for the Martial Arts History Museum, which is a 501c3 that's located here in Burbank, California. We're moving to a new location, which will be in Glendale, which is right next to Burbank. Yes. And so I'm doing 50,000 pushups to yeah. raise money for charity. At once? And we're currently on day 28. So I've done 28,000 so far. 1,000 a day for 50 days. That's a lot of (laughs) push-ups. Yeah, that's so great. So I love when you talk about being authentic and just being your authentic self as opposed to trying to put on anything else. Do you want to expand on that at all? Like Absolutely. You know, so many of us grow up and we envision what the future should be. We have plans, we have dreams, we have aspirations, and that's fine. But many times those plans and dreams and aspirations are based upon things that were told to us. Oh, you should do that, or you should do this. I find that instead of using your mind, if you actually follow your heart and you do things in your life that reflect your authentic self, you'll be much, much more successful. As a matter of fact, I'm actually following my authentic self in becoming a trainer and helping people on a massive scale. I don't feel like I go to work in the morning. I feel like I'm on a mission that's much larger than myself. So rather than working at a job your whole life, if you want to follow your passions and get paid for it, be your authentic self, follow your dreams, and listen to your heart, not just to your head. There's so many people, they're afraid to take that leap. They know they're doing that grind, and but they, they're not fulfilled. What would you tell them? Like, take the leap and or take baby steps? or I would ask them a question. I would say to them, If someone gave you $100 million, so you no longer needed money, you had enough money to live, to give money to your friends, to eat food and do all those things, what would you do with your time? What are the things that interest you? And that list, those things that interest you the most, those are the things that you should be doing for your job. So if you love movies, like some people would say, I go to the movies every day. Well, you might want to consider a career in the film industry because obviously you have a great passion for cinema. You know, some people say, hey, I would work out all the time. 
well, that person would probably be the best personal trainer because they love being in the gym. They love helping other people. They love exercising themselves. That's where I fall into that category, of course. But yeah, I think following your dreams, following your heart and not just making decisions based on practicality, but actually having a vision of success that reflects what's within you gives you a more fulfilling life. I love helping people. Yeah, that's very obvious. Okay, and then you talk about the golden rule, the golden rule of do unto others and, of course. and all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you could say the golden rule is to do unto others as you would have them do to you. And that's a very, very true statement. But there's another golden rule that I have, and that is what can I do for you today? Those are the seven words I say to myself every day. I say to other people, what can I do for you today? What can I do to help? If you approach people with an open heart and with a skill set and you want to help them, it's a very, very good position to be in. Because my job, if you think about it, is to take some of the most extraordinary people in the world. They're already successful musicians and actors and celebrity chefs. My job is to make them better. And so it's really a service-oriented job. And I love being in that position. I love helping other people become better. This is why you're so happy. In the blue zones where people live the longest and the healthiest and the happiest, it's all about community and love and service. You have a community and yes. you're helping others. You're doing, you're, it's all about love and service. So I'm also happy because I'm married to my best friend. Yeah. And when you select someone to spend your life with, and you have not only a romantic love, but you have a friendship, that's a big deal. Yeah, no, that definitely is. That's lucky. Yeah. Definitely. She's the best. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same. About mine. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, is your wait, is your husband a lawyer also? Oh God, no. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. What does he do? Yeah. No, he's in wealth management. He helps people though. He's there like his clients have been his clients forever, their family, they're like they're that's great. Yeah, so he they, knows that feeling of being able to help someone achieve a specific goal and having them really satisfied and really happy. Absolutely. Yes. That's the best. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He is very much of a service mindset and yeah, they've been his clients. His team has been together 25 years, some 15, like they're just, they're family. Everybody's family. So yeah. Definitely. Well, very much like a wealth management person. I find that there are people that think to themselves, I wish I could do this, or I wish I could do this, but they don't know the pathway. So some people wake up in the morning, they're like, wow, I wish I could save a million dollars. And someone like your husband would help them systematically do it over a period of time. I have people that say to me, you know, I've been acting for 10 years. I really love what I do, but I wish I could look like a superhero because I want to be considered for these roles. And I say, let's go. Yeah. And we change their diet. We change their exercise. We have them sleep some more. And then you see this physical transformation that happens right away. It's very exciting. That is. So I have listeners that are, a lot of them are between 35, 55 year old females that uh -huh. are getting told you need some more muscle mass. You're thin, you know, you need some muscle mass, the osteoporosis and stuff that ha is happening. I, right. you probably, maybe you don't know any, that's might not be your, your clientele at all, but actually it is. Tell, it is, okay. it is my so clientele. What would you, yeah, you probably have all those skinny actresses. Yeah. So what would you tell them? How would they change their diet or what kind of exercise or anything like that? Well, for women specifically that want to gain muscle mass, they have to do three things. The first thing they have to do is they have to change their diet and eat more animal-based protein because protein is the building blocks of muscle. So obviously, if you want to gain muscle mass, we need the raw material. It's almost like you're hiring me to make a chimney. I would need bricks. Well, protein is the bricks of muscle. So eating things like wild-caught salmon, pole-caught tuna, and egg whites are amazing sources of protein where you'll build sleek, elongated muscle, not necessarily bulk, 
but sleek, elongated, feminine muscle that looks great, but gives you strength. The second thing they have to do is they have to start using weights. So I would have them use weights and make sure at the top of the contraction that they squeeze. So as they come up, we don't want them just to mindlessly bring weights up and down. We want there to be an isometric contraction at the top to really cause some muscle growth and signal to the muscle that we're looking for change. And the third thing I would do with those women is I would ask them to go to sleep on the earlier side. It turns out it's not only how much you sleep, it's when you sleep. So a typical woman that went to bed at 10 o'clock at night and woke up at six o'clock in the morning, those eight hours, she will change more than the woman that goes to bed at midnight and gets up at eight. It has to do with the circadian rhythm, but it turns out that the hours before midnight that you're actually asleep are worth nearly twice as much in transformation as the hours after midnight. That is good. Now, what about edamame? Is that a good protein too, or doesn't do much? Edamame is delicious. I am married to a Japanese girl, so we <laughs> eat a lot of edamame. And I, I would also argue that any food that has the word mommy in it, it has to be good. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but edamame right unfortunately is a plant-based protein, so it is not as good as tuna, salmon, and egg whites. Okay. Very good. Okay. I love the story with the synchronicity of you never know, be nice to everyone because you never know when you're going to need them. It was a story about when you were hungry, you had carried water bottles up for a neighbor. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. I think you're referring to a story I told. There was a woman, it's kind of a long story, but when I first moved to Los Angeles, I lived in a cul-de-sac right underneath the Hollywood sign. And there was a neighbor of ours that was right across the way who was quite grumpy. I mean, she was nice to me, but she was kind of universally a grumpy person. And she had a very steep staircase that led up to where she lived. And every month she would get these big, you know, those big five five, water jugs. And I would carry them up for her because she was kind of diminished in size. And for me, it was easy to carry them up. I also like the exercise. Anyway, people used to say to me that lived in the the neighborhood, hey, why are you so nice to that woman? And I said, well, first of all, I love the exercise. Second of all, I believe it's it's good to be friends with your neighbors, no matter who they are. And lastly, karma-wise, it's really good. It's good karma to help people out, you know, and don't expect anything back. Years later, we were doing something big at the Los Angeles Film Festival, which is a big international film festival. And one of the things we were doing was we had these goodie bags filled with healthy materials and we were going to leave them on every seat at one of the biggest screenings of the festival. We got to the theater right before the whole audience arrived. And our job was to unload the van and put these goodie bags on every seat in a huge theater. They wouldn't let us in early. The staff said, we don't have any kind of paperwork from you. You are not allowed to do this. So we had this big van filled with goodie bags. We were under the gun time-wise, and it looked like it was going to be a big disaster. And they said, you need to leave right now or we're going to get our manager. And I said, go ahead, get the manager. Guess who the manager was? The grumpy girl from across the way where I used to carry her water bottles up. And she said, Eric, what are you doing here? And I said, we're trying to put goodie bags on all of the seats. This was already clear. There's been some misunderstanding. She said to her staff, whatever this guy wants, the answer is yes. We went in and we did it all. It all worked out. And it just proves it's always good to be nice to people because you never know in the future where they might come back and they'll be nice to you at a time that's very critical. Yeah, I love and because it's true. You just don't know. And it is good karma. And what can it hurt? Somebody called me and she was all upset about something and and he might give her my secrets. Let her have it. What's the difference? You should give everybody how you do it. Why should? But I figured it out. I go, so why should she have to? (laughs) I totally agree. Tell her how you do it. Like help her. Like, why is it a I secret? Think, I think there's great value in, in leading your, your life with an open heart and trying to help others. 
I can tell you that there are a lot of people in every major American city that at nighttime they can't sleep because they know that during the day they did something that was out ethics. They did something that was not ethical or they feel like they're not being their true, authentic, nice self. They know that they did something to hurt someone's feelings. I sleep very well every night because yeah. I'm in the business of helping people. So at the end of the day, I go to sleep, no guilt, no problem. Yes. After talking to me, she called and apologized and said, yeah, give her everything. Like, who cares? Right. Somebody's going to give to you. There's enough for everybody. The world's expansive. Yeah. What's the most common question that you're asked when people meet you and you tell them, well, it's probably obvious what you do. I think the most common question that I get is how do I maintain my physique while living a very busy lifestyle? I travel a lot. I host TV shows. I'm always on the go. And they say, how do you possibly stay in shape? But what they forget is when I travel all over the world, by definition, I end up in a gym. So whether I go to China or Japan or the Middle East or Europe or wherever I am in the world, I'm going there most likely to go to a gym. So for me, it's sort of built into my lifestyle to stay in great shape. I also love working out. I mean, the notion of getting a chance to exercise every day puts me in a good mood. You know, when you work out, these endorphins are released in your mind yeah, yeah, yeah. that are so powerful antidepressants that huge pharmaceutical companies have never found a pill that matches those strong endorphins that are released in your mind when you exercise. So I can tell you that I'm in a pretty happy mood the whole time. And lastly, as you know, I'm on a mission of service. And so when people talk to me, oh, you're such a great trainer, I'm only as good as my ability to change others. So it's really not about me. It's about me honing my skills to help other people become incredible. And I like that dynamic. I like to prove myself by pointing to different men and women and saying, I made that, I made that, I made that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Now, how about when you go to par different parts of this country when there's no healthy food? Do you take You know, that can be a real you? challenge. Yeah. That can be a real challenge. I mean, I remember my wife and I were on tour with Def Leppard and Journey. We were traveling all around North America. And there were certain parts, especially of the Deep South, where it was very challenging to find things that were not fried. But I can tell you that that's where preparation is key. You know, for you to have something like a pouch of Polcott tuna that you can just rip open and have as a snack, it really beats fried chicken. Or if you find you're at a gas station, there are no healthy options, grabbing a protein bar in those cases, that's what protein bars were made for, you know? So think about those protein bars almost like a Band-Aid when you're in a situation where there's no healthy food, that's when you should use them. Okay, all right, that's good. What do you think your biggest lesson has been so far? Like, what would you teach your son? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you know, if son, they would listen, I mean, I don't know, yes. maybe yours does, but. <laughs> well, the number one lesson that I've learned in my life is to follow your dreams, even if those dreams sound outrageous or incredible. I mean, if I could take you right now and show you the farm where I grew up on, we had sheep, we had pigs, we even had a donkey. It was in a rural environment to tell you that this little boy was going to grow up and end up in Hollywood working with some of the biggest celebrities in the world. That was a very, very small chance. And it all worked out. So I, th I say you have to believe in yourself. But along this, those same lines, my piece of advice that I would give to your viewers is find someone in the world that's doing what you want to do really well and study with them. I mean, I'm a martial artist. I started martial arts when I was 10 years old. I'm now 53. So I've been doing combative martial arts for 43 years. And in that time, I've studied with different senseis all over the country. And I've learned different things from different martial arts instructors. And so if you use that model, let's say you want to be a great singer, let's say you want to be a great painter, let's say you want to be a great trainer, whatever you want to do, 
find someone in the world. And it's very easy nowadays with social media to find people that are excellent at what they do, contact them and study directly with them from them, rather than just going through a book, you'll learn all of the subtleties, you'll learn all of the stories. It's a much more fulfilling experience. That is really good. Now, what do you, when you're going through a hard time, what are your tools that you use? You know, when I'm going through a hard time, I do three things. Number one is I talk to my friends and family and ask them for advice. And I can always count on them. I've got a very close knit inner circle and I feel really lucky to have them. The second thing I do is I exercise because many times when you're exercising and you just let your mind relax, you find that your thoughts wander. And sometimes you come up with great, great concepts that you wouldn't just sitting there trying to think. And lastly, one of the things people don't know about me is I'm a musician. So sometimes when I'm going through times of crisis or I have some big decision to make, I'll grab an acoustic guitar and I'll start to strum. And that takes my mind away from the physical arts, the bodybuilding that I'm so used to. And it really just utilizes a different section of my brain. Those are very, very good. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I love those. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Yes, I want you guys to know that I do have a message of hope. And that is the future is a very, very bright place. As a matter of fact, I almost want to put on sunglasses when I think about the future, because we've come through a time with COVID and with, you know, truly a lack of leadership in government where people are a little feeling a little disenfranchised and very, very polarized. If you look at Washington right now, this is not an opinion. This is just a fact. It's very, very polarized right now but it's prime time for someone to come along and join people together and lead them to a better place. So I have a lot of hope for the future, both in America and the world itself. I know that sometimes after a dark period, there's an onslaught of art. So from a film perspective, from a television perspective, even from a movie perspective and music, you're gonna see a lot of great art coming out. And I'm very excited about the future. Yay, that's great. The future is friendly. That's what I always say. Yes, the future is friendly. Oh, I love that. What is the hardest challenge you've overcome and how did you do it? Let's see. I think the hardest thing that I've overcome was, hmm, I've overcome some pretty challenging situations. I went through a divorce. That was very challenging to realize that the initial person that I selected to spend my life with needed to change. And I'm remarried now. I'm very, very happy. So that might've been the hardest thing I've ever gone through. My son had a health scare when he was younger. That was very scary because, of course, for the parents out there, your children are the most important people in your entire lives. And anytime they get sick, it's really, really scary. He's come through that now. He's an amazing musician. I'm very, very proud of him. But I think I think overcoming my self-doubt and my fear of being diminished, I think that's the most powerful thing I've ever gone through. Because, I mean, at 18, 19 years old, being, you know, five foot four, weighing 130 pounds, and wondering if I was ever going to shave my face, I was on the verge of taking hormones just to like kick this whole thing in. And so, of course, years later, it all works out and I'm feeling strong and I'm feeling in command of my body and my mind. But, you know, going through that all those years, I think it, I had to develop a personality that was more engaging and more humor based because I didn't have the physicality to back it up in those years. Yeah. And it all comes together and everything always works out. Which everything is, works you know, out. Yeah. yeah. If you it follow just your heart, does. everything works out. It really does. Okay. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you yet that I should have asked you and we're going to be off and you'll be like, Lauren didn't ask me that. Well, the last thing I would tell people is bet on yourself. I was a trainer working in New York City. I had a very, very successful business in Manhattan. Things were rocking and rolling. I was training business people and Broadway singers and all kinds of interesting people. And I moved out to Los Angeles 
to follow my destiny. And so I went from having a big clientele and it being very well known in New York to zero. I knew no one in New York, in Los Angeles. I had to start from scratch, but I bet on myself and it was the greatest bet that I've ever made in my life. So I would encourage your viewers, bet on yourself and that will give you a hopeful future. Absolutely. That is so great. Thank you for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope. Thank you so much. Ow, ow. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Eric's messages of intention, enthusiasm, and to follow your heart. Such great messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to tune in next week and learn how to tap into your intuition, do what's right for you and your soul, and get clear on your inner calling. You also learn some manifestation tips and how to be the most confident version of yourself in every setting, no matter how you're feeling on the inside. That's next week, and I know you're going to love that. Be sure to sign up for free Confidence and Clarity Boost sessions. If you're struggling, this might be for you. For those who feel like life's passing you by, your inner critic's going nonstop, you're feeling burned out and jealous of those who are doing what it is that you wish you were doing, go to the website and you can sign up at 52weeksofhope.com. That's the number 52weeksofhope.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, share the love and tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening. And also, let's just take a moment and remember Eric and all that he was able to give. Thanks so much. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.